Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. It's been a few weeks since we've been in this study, so I just want to remind you of the, the last three points that we went through. Uh, point one was, the day of the Lord will be both full of blessing and full of judgment. Full of blessing for those who are, who are in Christ, but also a day of full of judgment for those who do not have Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us that there is coming a day, a coming a day when the Lord will return. It will be His day, the day of the Lord. And again, in that day, full of blessing and judgment altogether, but it depends on whose side you're on. If you're on the Lord's side, day of full of blessing. Uh, if you're not on God's side, it's going to be a day full of judgment, unfortunately. Number two was this, the day of the Lord won't come unexpectedly for the people of God. Paul told the Thessalonian believers that they were not in darkness, that that day would not overtake them as a thief. Now he'll come as a thief in the night, it'll come uh, unexpectedly upon this earth. But we as the children of God, Jesus our Lord, told us the things that would be before the end of the world. He also told us the way that we're supposed to live our lives was to be watching in anticipation for his return. That we'd be able to see all the things going on in the world and know that his return is soon. And so it's not going to overtake us. We know that it's coming very soon. Today, 2017, uh, we know that the Lord is coming back very soon. Number three was our alertness and involvement in the mission of the kingdom illustrates the seriousness of the day of the Lord. And if you remember this, we were talking about that. If we really believe that Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, he's going to judge those who aren't in his kingdom with an eternal judgment, an eternal judgment of destruction, of death, of being sentenced to the lake of fire. If we really believe that's what he's going to do, and the only way for people to miss that judgment is to have the condemnation that exists on their head removed by them placing their faith in Jesus Christ, if we really believe that, then we will be fully involved and fully engaged in the mission of the kingdom of God, which is to get the gospel to every creature on this earth. Again, if we really believe there's a hell and we really believe there's a heaven, we really believe that only those who are Jesus Christ are going to heaven, those who aren't in Jesus Christ are going to go to hell for all of eternity. If we really believe that, I shared it Sunday, how much of a monster do we have to be to not share that truth with those people who need it? If I, if I knew somebody had a disease that I had a cure for, I knew of the cure. I mean, I couldn't cure them myself, but I knew of the cure. And I didn't tell them how to get the cure, how to find the cure. What does that make me? What does that make me? The same thing, if I see somebody uh, leaving out of this parking lot and they don't see a, a semi barreling down the street, but I see it, they don't see it. What does it make me if I don't try to do something to warn them of what's about to happen in their life? It makes me a monster. And again, our involvement, our alertness and involvement in the mission illustrates the seriousness of the day of the Lord. It shows that we believe he's coming back and he's going to do what he said he's going to do when he returns. And so hopefully we're challenged in that. And again, I want to reiterate, mankind has tried to create a system that, has, that tells us exactly what's going to happen. Uh, we, we don't know those things. We, we know what Scripture says. Uh, we know that we can grab what Jesus says. We can grab what the, the Word of God says and believe and trust that. But we need to hold fast to the Word of God. We don't need to hold fast to what man teaches, but what God teaches. 
as the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar in Romans chapter 3. And so uh, if we do that, then we can't go wrong. We're going to be living our lives the way the Lord wants us to live when he returns and when this happens. And so it's amazing um, that we come to this point now in Scripture, and I don't know why it still amazes me, but it does every single time um, that God does something, uh, that we come to this section of Scripture and we're maybe dealing with what we just experienced uh, on Sunday uh, is just amazing. And uh, so I'll, I'll, well, I'll pray and then I'll explain what I'm talking about. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. Thank you for the opportunities to sing of your, your amazing love, your amazing grace, uh, your, your goodness to us. We thank you for our salvation, God. We thank you for the amazing love uh, that we get to walk in every day, the amazing grace and, again, mercy. And we thank you for the blessing tonight of being able to gather around your word, to focus on you, to grab what you have for us. And I pray that every single one of us would take heed to your word and we would apply it in our lives where it's necessary. God, uh, have your way tonight in this service. I pray your spirit would uh, move and work in each person's heart, each person's life as you see fit. And we'll praise you for that as well, Lord. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Everybody awake tonight? Half the crowd. Praise the Lord. We're good. Good start. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. And I beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourself. Now, again, as I shared, it's, it's interesting that we are at this scripture and uh, what the church did on Sunday as far as expressing uh, appreciation. Um, and I shared that it's difficult for me personally to receive any type of recognition or appreciation. It's just the way it is. Uh, I don't like the spotlight or the highlight at all. Uh, I shared before, even when I was in sports, uh, I, I liked the catcher because of a couple of things. Number one, it was active. And number two, I kind of felt hidden uh, behind the umpire and behind the, the, the gear and I could just go out there and work the whole game, help my team, and, and uh, do that. I didn't realize until I got to high school, they said, well, the catcher is the general on the field. And I was like, well, I, I'm really not looking for that. I'm just looking to, to, to do this and, and honestly be like this. And honestly, the only reason I'm standing on this stage and speaking tonight, uh, or any stage, and preach, proclaim the word of God, is because of the call of God in my life. And because of the love of Christ that's compelling me to do so. I would not be up here at all if, if that wasn't uh, in, in place. I promise you that. The only reason that I, I stand and have stood in the past and play the guitar and sing uh, on a stage at all is because something that the Lord gave to me that I just want to use to glorify Him. Uh, not about me at all. Uh, I can promise you that. Um, and I'm not trying to sound spiritual, just being completely sincere uh, with that. And so I, I, that's just the way that I'm wired. Uh, I'm a very big team player. I like, I like working together with a group. I like working together uh, for a cause. And it's amazing that God has given grace that I can be in the greatest team serving for the greatest cause on this earth at all. And uh, I love that we can do that together and that this is the place, this is the team that God has put together. And uh, again, very humbling and very uh, proud and, and excited to be a part of that. Now, with all of that, I also understand, I had this conversation this week already with somebody, uh, I understand the importance of recognizing or honoring or encouraging, blessing those who God puts in place to lead his local bodies. 
I get that 100%. Before I was a senior pastor, I tried to do that as much as possible. I, I tried to encourage, I tried to support, I tried to foster support uh, for the person that God has uh, had as the under-shepherd of this local body. And whether it was coming back from a conference and getting ideas and trying to encourage the elders and deacons and ministry leaders and everybody in the church to, to do that, that's what I did before. And so I understand uh, the importance of that. Now, with that being said, no man alone, not me or anyone, could be effective without the support of an amazing wife. And I praise the Lord that uh, y'all recognize that Sunday as well. Um, without faithful elders who help oversee and teach uh, throughout the church, many who uh, do things that uh, one person, of course, cannot do. That's why the amazing design of God is a plurality of elders. And so, amazing group of men that God has brought to this church there. Without deacons, their wives, to help and serve and assist the body and the physical needs that breach into the spiritual realm as well. Without multiple ministry leaders and multiple ministry workers doing the work of the ministry. Uh, so again, uh, when we do something like that, you know, I, th I think of... Uh, you know, people, and there's no way comparing, because this is the, the spiritual work, so please don't do it. Uh, but, you, you know, you, you have people say, you know what, I, I realize that I'm, that this is what you're doing, but honestly, it's just a reflection of you. And so, that's what I was trying to express Sunday morning, even when y'all were coming through the line. Uh, you are the blessing. Y'all are the blessings. Y'all are, the, all are the, uh, the blessings and the support. And so, again, we're in this together, uh, and it's an amazing humbling opportunity to do that. Um, without all these things in place, we wouldn't see and we wouldn't get to do what God has given us to do and see and even the things that I believe he has in store uh, for that. But Paul has addressed this issue of honoring and blessing those that God installs to oversee the flocks that he puts in place. Uh, he's done it before the text that we've seen historically in other letters and he'll do it again in other letters, even written to pastors. And uh, we'll look at that in just a few minutes, and I'll explain that. But verse 12 in our text, the Holy Spirit through Paul is begging the, the believers to do three things um, to make sure that this happens. That Three exhortations that they are to do for those who God puts in place to lead the flocks. First, he says this, Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So the first charge or the first exhortation that the body, the local bodies, the body specifically he's talking to is the body of Thessalonica, they were to respect those who God put in place. And this term in the Greek normally means to know or to consider, which it carries a little bit of that connotation uh, with it. But here it includes appreciating and respecting them and the work they do. Um, Essentially, he's saying this. These men, they're working hard. That's why he says labor among you. Those that labor, they work hard to provide pastoral care for the flock that God has put them over. Uh, spiritual leadership and doctrine in the church is what they're responsible for. The great weight is that pastors are responsible to God for those he puts under their care. And that is, um, you know, I, I've shared this before. Uh, and even talking with uh, Brother JT, who is our church planning pastor, and they're up there, and he's seeing some of the responsibilities, some of this stuff that he's going through as he's trying to get that work established, and 
Uh, they're still praying for who God's going to lead that work as ultimately as far as pastor goes. But in this process of him being the planning pastor, he's seeing some of the weight of uh, the, the pastoral care, the pastoral weight uh, that a senior pastor has. Now, he served here in the ministry uh, as an associate pastor. And uh, I would tell him, even in the transition before, I said, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't, I don't really, uh, there's no way to, to, to do it unless you just walk it. And it's nothing, um, not exalting or elevating that at all. It's just kind of God's setup. Uh, but there is a weight and there is something that comes along with being the senior pastor that you really don't have outside of that. And again, I, I, I didn't get that. I thought I got that before, uh, but I, I didn't get that before. And I shared that with him. And just recently, last week, it was recently, uh, he said, I was just telling someone uh, that we had conversations. And I thought when you told me that I knew what you were talking about, I didn't know what you were talking about until I was actually doing this. And I said, oh, that's exactly what I, what I was trying to say, the same road that I walked before. And so there's a great weight uh, that pastors, uh, again, responsible to God uh, in this. And again, it doesn't take away from the importance, the impact, the influence that other elders and other uh, ministry leaders, deacons have in, in the body of God. It doesn't do that at all. So please don't take that away from, from that. Uh, but in this responsibility, it includes providing admonition. That means to put in mind, to warn, to caution, or to reprove gently as needed. And again, there are uh, great weights, but some of the greatest weights are when you're having to warn somebody of something that God has shown you or put on your heart. And they have to make the decision whether they're going to listen to you or not listen to you. And to carry that weight around is... It's almost impossible, and uh, you know it, it sometimes doesn't allow you to sleep, and it's the first thought that wakes you up every morning, and again, it's just there all the time. I'm not saying that for sympathy. I'm just simply saying this is what Paul is saying. Part of the job and the responsibility of these men are, and one of the reasons why the Thessalonian church as well as other local bodies are, are supposed to respect and acknowledge those who God puts in place. Next, he goes on, he says, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Um, the need to regard leaders highly is stressed in this second exhortation here. He's saying, look, you have to highly regard them. Church members are to esteem, they're to value, they're to respect their leaders and respect their work that they do. Uh, it's interesting we used to have uh, conversations years and years ago. I remember me and Brother Mike, we used to office together. And he, when he first came up here, he, and, and almost every teacher that comes and serves in the school ministry realizes how demanding it is. Uh, and the amazing sacrifice they make, even financially, because our tuition here at the school is so low, uh, but the work is, is so demanding. And we used to talk all the time how people's mindset was, oh, you're going to go work at the church. You're going to have an easy job. You're going to just be at church all the time and, and, and not, you know, you're going to mess around and not do anything. And um, he said, man, they are so wrong. You know, they're like people are so wrong. They have no idea how much work it is in the school ministry. And the school ministry is a huge ministry of our church has a great influence in people's lives and families and stuff like that. And so 
the ministry, the work of the ministry, the pastoral ministry is not, you know, people say, oh, the pastor goes and just has lunch with everybody all the time and never works and stuff. And um, just know this, uh, anytime that I'm having lunch with somebody, there's a purpose in it. Uh, even if it is for uh, our connection, for, for me as a pastor and, and a church member or, or fellowship brothers in, in Christ, or if it's Rochelle and I and a couple, there's a purpose, you know, and it's, and it's to foster unity, it's to foster relationship, it's to foster, um, you know, community and friendships, which we're supposed to be in this together, serving the Lord together. And so um, there's not just um, messing around and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and, and if so, if that's the thought, please see me tomorrow morning and I will help you find some things to do. <laughs> I just, it, it'd be good. Um, and maybe then I, I, would, I could be here a little more often too. So, uh, no, I'm just messing. I'm, I'm not saying that with a bad heart. But um, to esteem and value uh, the leaders and their work that they do. And the Greek is very strong here. This is, this is very important because uh, Paul's kind of wrapping up this first letter to the Thessalonians in this chapter 5. And so he's trying to express and, and really emphasize some things that are important for them to do. We're kind of moving into some Christian responsibilities that we'll see in a second as well. But he's, he's stressing this, and the Greek is very strong. He's saying to the church, hold these leaders, hold, hold your senior pastor, hold the, the elders in the highest regard. And this, this tense that it's in is to be a continuing attitude of the church for the spiritual leaders that God has put in place. So a continual attitude of high regard for them. So let's, let's, let's go down that road for a second. What, what's some of the greatest attacks that Satan wages against church members and spiritual leaders, pastors and, and elders? He is looking to try to, to separate that, that, that respect, that regard for who they are, the office that God's put them in, and the work they do. He'll, he'll try to attack that in every way possible. And so that's what Paul is saying. Listen, you need to remember to continually keep this in your mind, in your heart. It's an attitude that's to be continually, uh, continually in, your, in your heart and mind. He taught that all should be held in esteem because of the nature of the responsibilities that elders that pastors have before God. Not just some respect, but the highest respect is due to these leaders, and it comes from an attitude of affection. It comes from an attitude of love. Because the same love that's in me should be in you. All of us together have the same love of God inside of us. And again, for their work. If, no, if for no personal reason, for their work and who they are. But the reasons for this exhortation, again, are for the nature of their work. What pastors do and the fact that church leaders do a good service for other people it's for others that's for, that's what it's all about and so that's that's what has to be examined now here's where it gets skewed there are many people who hold the title pastor who are honestly in it for themselves whether it's for money or whether it's for fame or or promotion i promise you this i i could care less about that I could care less about that. But there are people who do. And so what happens is, in our world, and in, even in, we'll put it in quotes, Christendom, you have people that have that as their example, and then they have other sincere examples before them. 
And so you have people who are even Christian church members that are faithful to God, serving God, that are always toiling about in their minds and their hearts. Well, is the pastor doing this for this or is he doing it for that? Well, I read the other day or heard the news the other day. It's this and that's that. This person did this or this person did that. And so it's always a tool. And um, so what's always important is to prove people by their works. Is to prove them by their works. Um, and that's something that uh, hopefully is seen in this church. When you look at the elders of this church, I just shared at the leadership conference this weekend with our leadership uh, what the percentage even of elders are engaged in the mission of this church, the outreach, door-to-door, five-mile mission. And it's pretty much 100%. The, the factors that I was using weren't 100% accurate. But, um, and that's just given because sometimes there's somebody sick, somebody's out of town, uh, they didn't get logged in on the, the sign-in sheet. But again, and then also look at, are we here? Am I here? Um, and, and that's the message, the works, do they line up? I'm not saying that I'm perfect, I'm not saying that, that the elders are perfect, but do they line up? And so this is what you consider, say, you know what? Our pastor, our elders, they're serving, they're leading the way. We should respect, honor, and follow that leadership um, as long as it's going that way. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul knew he was not perfect, but he said, look, as long as I'm following Christ, you have no reason not to follow me. And that's the standard within every single local church. But the third exhortation is to live in peace with each other. Um, This is so important because this, I believe, in Scripture shows that is a result from obeying those two commands that we just talked about. Uh, To respect, regard, to to hold them in honor and to bless them. Uh, But the idea is to maintain rather than to initiate peace in the body. Peaceful conditions already existed in the Thessalonian church. Peaceful conditions should exist, and I believe do exist, in Trinity Baptist Temple. And so every single believer, every single uh, member of this church should be looking to maintain peace in effort to assist, help, follow the senior pastor and the elders. That's just the way it should be. Every single member should be giving themselves to living in peace with each other. Now, this is, again, an imperative command. This is something that's charged. Every single member should be looking to do everything they can do to maintain peace in the body. Because you know what that does when it's not? It adds more weight on top of the pastor and more weight on top of the spiritual leaders of the church. And that's what Paul was talking about. That's the section he's saying. He said, listen, if at all possible, live peaceably with each other. You've know, you got to make sure that you're maintaining peace. Why has there always got to be something? Why has there always got to be an issue? Why does there always have to be this? Because there's flesh, and there's an enemy, and there's a world pulling at the flesh. The enemy's pulling at the flesh, and it's always warring against the Spirit of God that lives and that exists, that, that occupies this temple, the body of Trinity Baptist Temple. So if we know that, We've got to give every effort to make sure peace is maintained in our life. If you've got something wrong with somebody, if somebody didn't shake your hand, if they did something or whatever, just make it right. Go to the Lord, ask, ask the Lord to help you forgive them, to, to, to move beyond it, to forgive and forget and, and live in peace and harmony and serve in the body of Christ. And if you can't do that, then pray that God would give you this, the right spirit of gentleness, reconciliation and love and go to them and say, 
this is what you said, this is what you did, this is how I feel, I need to let you know. And if somebody ever comes to you like that, in effort to maintain peace, try to maintain a heart of gentleness and peace and love. And when they say that to you, simple words, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I mean, I didn't, well, who do you think you are, you know? I, I didn't, I never did that. You're crazy. Why, why would, I mean, well, don't even go down that road. Just, I'm sorry. I want to be peace. I want to live in peace. I want to reconcile. You're coming to me in gentleness. You're coming to me with peace. You're coming to me wanting to make it right and make things right for the body of Christ. That's how you're coming to me. And so I want to make things right with you. Everything within you, make sure that you keep peace within the body. Much dissension that exists in modern church time today is traced back to the members of those churches not obeying these commands. Not respecting, regarding, um, not doing what they need to do with the leadership of the church, understanding that um, this is a great weight, that we're all supposed to be going the same direction for the same purpose. And it's similar to what we read in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. It says this, Remember them which have rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Or in other words, remember your leaders, those who have spoke to you the word of God, and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's what he's saying. Those people who God has put over you in the Lord, look at what they're doing and follow their direction, considering what they're doing, how they're living, Follow their faith because it's leading the right way if they're following Christ. Number, uh, in verse 16, it says this, But to do good and communicate, forget not. For which, what sac... Wit, 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 <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but to do good and communicate not, forget, uh, communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, because that's unprofitable for you. So in another, another translation, a par or, or not paraphrase, but uh, here's how, it, a little bit more modern English, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for, what, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And as I said a while ago, Paul wrote in other letters concerning this to the Galatians. He wrote in chapter 6, verse 6, Let him that's taught in the word communicate or share unto him that teacheth in all good things. Talking about the word of God to the Corinthian believers. He would tell them in chapter 9 that the, 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 you're not to muzzle the ox that treads the corn. That the people who are serving you that are over you in the Lord, you should take care of, that you should love, and that you should support. Paul said that he had this right. But to the Corinthians, he said, I'm not going to exercise this right. You know why Paul didn't exercise the right to the Corinthians? Because his motives were in, under attack. They were, they, were, they were attacking the fact that he was doing it for the kingdom of God. They were saying, Paul's doing this for himself. Paul's doing this for, for money. Paul's doing this for a following. And so Paul in Corinth says, you know what? That's why I didn't take anything from you. 
That's why I didn't ask anything from you because it was my, my motives were being attacked. And so that's why we didn't. But, he says, it doesn't negate the fact that this is right. Even in the Old Testament, this is what it says. To Timothy, who would pastor the church at Ephesus, he said this in verse 17 of chapter 5, Let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word, preaching and doctrine, teaching. The preacher teachers for the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. As I said, I don't like talking about this. I don't, especially I don't like saying something that has to do with me. But this is God's word, and this is the way that God has set up for a reason. All of this honor, all of this respect, all of the sharing and the blessing and obeying the spiritual leaders, the pastors, has to be for a reason then. If there's so much of it in God's word... There has to be a reason. Point number one is following God's instructions concerning pastors and spiritual leaders is a submission to God's authority and God's order. It's saying, you know what? The, what God has set up and the way he set it up is right. That, that's what it's saying. When we submit to those who God has put in place and put over us in the Lord, it's saying God is right. Now, when we don't, what is that saying then? You can say it. God is wrong. That's what it's saying. God's order is for a reason. He's a God of order. All things are to be done properly in order. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. And then it says that, the same exact thing in verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. And I've taught this before, and again, as hard as it is to teach on something that has to do with yourself, the truth is, is it's God's design. It's God's design. It's God's order. It's God's setup. It's His church. It's His, it's His stuff. You know what it's similar to? The husband being the head of the home. And the, the women are smarter than us. That's the truth. I think I shared this recently. I was watching something, um, some video. You get in trouble watching videos sometimes, but um, this one was actually very interesting. I showed it to Rochelle. I was like, man, so true. Again, I may have shared it here, so if it's redundant. Just forgive me. Love me. Um, it said, it was, God was talking about the man's brain. Have I talked about this? Man's brain, woman's brain? No? Good. Okay. Um, so this is one of the men things, and women would already have known um, that I have said this uh, already. <laughs> so that's part of the way their brain works, and that's what the guy was explaining. So the guys' brains are compartmentalized, and guys have even a, a compartment in their, their, their brain that, they, that we just refer to as our nothing box. <laughs> it is so true. Like women, you know. What are you thinking? What do the guys answer sometimes? Or a lot of times? Nothing. That's because we have gone into that nothing box, he says. You know? That's exactly what happens. And it's so true. We can be driving down the road, and, and this has happened before. So what are you thinking? And I'm like, nothing. There's a road in front of me. There's a speed limit I'm supposed to be going, and there's a song playing. I mean, it's just nothing. I'm not thinking nothing. Just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Amen. See, she, amen. That's what I'm um, Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Women's brains, however, he explained, 
are not like that. They are interconnected, all jumbled together, everything connected to everything that's an emotion. And so that's why women can remember so much is because so much is connected to their emotions and everything's connected to everything. And so, amen. Um, that's why I knew if I had said it before, you get, ladies would have remembered that I said it in here before. Uh, guys would have been like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't remember, guys. I was in my nothing box. You were preaching. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> but that... That's, that's exactly what happens sometimes. Um, but that's, women could do probably a better job of leading the home. Administratively, uh, I mean, communication. Woo, I mean, there is, there's so much more women could do better as far as leading the home. But guess what? God didn't set it up that way. God set it up for the man to be the head, to be the leader of the home. And women are, are and, and like I said, I mean, there's probably people in here... No doubt, that could lead this church way better than me. Smarter, better communication, better communication skills, better uh, just everything. But, but, but God has a, an order. He has a setup. He has a way that he, he or orders things for a reason. And uh, maybe, maybe it'd be more about that person than, than the Lord, if that's, I don't know, but... Um, I'm not questioning that. I'm just simply saying I, I, I don't have to understand it all. I have to have the answers for it all. I just know that God says this and God set it up and we are supposed to submit to that uh, just as it is in the home. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the main things. And again, when we follow it, when we follow God's order, when we follow God's setup, his design, home, church, everything, our lives, when we do that, the, we can be 100% sure that there will be blessing. But when we buck it and we don't submit to it, we can be sure that we will suffer the consequences. That's exactly what happens in marriages and homes. That's exactly why there's sometimes perpetual problems is because the man won't lead or won't lead right or the woman won't submit or won't submit right or both. Um, and so the, you, get a, you get a big old mess up because it's just not God's way. It's not God's order. But when it's done 100% right, when the man loves God and is submitted to God himself and following and leading his home like that, and the woman loves him with every bit of her heart too because that's why the man's doing it. He's loving the woman, leading her like that. And the woman submits like that and she follows his leadership. Then there is a beautiful marriage. There is a beautiful home there that exists in that setup because it's God's setup. Um, and so again, that same thing happens in the church. When if the pastor is leading the church in the way of God, in the word of God, and doing those things, and the church membership says, you know what, we're going to submit and we're going to follow that leadership, all of us, then God's blessings fall down on that that local body. But if you've got stray members that are like, I don't, I don't really like him, I don't really want to follow him, you know. Um, that's, that's what he's talking about. That, that's exactly what it is. Consider them, consider their office, consider what God has put them in and God's plan and submit and follow that direction. Make sure that peace is a part of that. But again, it's that way with everything. But he goes on into a series next, and we'll be done here shortly, these Christian responsibilities that we're to have in our lives for living, period. And so with this, we're going to get our second encouraging point in verse 14. So he kind of transitions there with that word now. He says, now we exhort you, brethren. And here's what he's saying. Uh, he kind of wrapped up the, the second coming. He talked about uh, rec recognizing, esteeming highly, blessing, 
following, submitting, making sure peace happens with those who are spiritual leaders in the church. Now the transition to, and here's some responsibilities I'm going to give to you as, as the church to do. Brethren, warn them that are unruly. Now what does that mean? Again, first who is he talking to? He's talking to brethren, church, talking to the believers. They are to warn. You know what the interesting thing is right here? It's the same exact word that he talked about a while ago because what pastors do, admonish, the church is now told to warn, to admonish those who are unruly in the church, those who are disorderly. He would address this further in the next letter that we'll get to in 2 Thessalonians, the Lord wills. But basically he's saying this, if there are those who are out of order, stirring dissension, sowing division, not following the leadership of the pastor or elders, or who are even idle in the church. Maybe they're coasting. Maybe they're mooching, as some would translate it. There's to be an admonishment there, a warning, a gentle rep uh, reprove. Now with this, this doesn't mean that members become conduct sheriffs. You know, the pastor preached it. He said, you know, we're supposed to admonish those that are unruly. Got my, got my badge on. I'm going to be looking out for those who are unruly, and I'm going to warn them. No, that's not what it's talking about. Um, it doesn't mean that even church members take church discipline into their own hands. And it doesn't mean that any of this is to be done in haste. The end of verse 14 points to the opposite of this. So sometimes we see somebody not where they're supposed to be or not doing what they're supposed to be doing or even being idle in the church, not uh, contributing, not, not helping, serving, being a part. Because that, we got to get, our, our, you know, we went through this I Am Church member book uh, at the beginning of last year. And to, to completely get out of the mind that church is a country club. Like we come here, like it's about me. It's, it's about uh, what, what I want, what I'm going to get out of this church service tonight. We've got to get out of that. The whole New Testament model is all about community. Us coming together for one cause. And when, when a member suffers, all the members suffer with it. When a, when a member rejoices, all the members rejoice with it. That's what it's about. It's about doing the kingdom of God together in this temporal world. And so when, when the Thessalonians uh, saw that there were some people that were just kind of mooching off the church, not pulling their fair share, not contributing, not serving in it, Paul says... Warn them. That's not what it's about. That's not what church is about. And I want to say church, let's re just remember, it's not about a church service. This is part of what we do as the church is gather, assemble, worship, be instructed, be unified, pray together, worship, uh, all those things so that we go out into this world all on the same page to do the same work together. So when we say church, this is not what we're talking about. This is part of what we do as a church. But when there are those who aren't on that same page, the church members are supposed to, to warn um, in, in the right way. But again, if we're all to be focused on Christ and his mission, and the pastor and the elders are leading in that, then the body should be unified in that, period. Anyone who's sowing seeds of distress or division not following that leadership should be lovingly, gently, 
yet clearly admonished to get into the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. To, to get in line, to follow, and to help, to be a part of it. And again, we need to remember, it's not a rebellion against the pastor. It's not a rebellion against man's way. It's a rebellion against Christ himself, who is the head of the church, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. It's about him. And so when somebody's out of order, somebody's unruly, somebody's idle, somebody's not contributing, somebody's not in line, somebody's not submitted, again, it's not, well, I just don't like, Brother Kyle said this, or he did this, or he didn't do that, or Brother Mike, or Brother Jeffrey, they did this, or the elders, or the deacons, or this, or this, or this. I'm just not, if out of line, it's not a rebellion against us. We're just servants for the king. Of, for the king. It's a rebellion against him. Now, if we go off page, if we go off track, and we're no, no longer following Christ and, and preaching and teaching his word and pushing the church to go his way, if at that point we do that, that's when you say, um, no, we're going to continue on. You're wrong, pastor. You're wrong, person. You're wrong. And some may argue, well, I just don't like, or I just don't want to do what they're asking me to do. I just don't like it. I don't want to do it. I would respond to that person, well, is it biblical what they're asking you to do? Is it biblical what the pastor's asking you to do, what he's teaching, what he's preaching? Or the flip side of that, do you have biblical evidence for your reason not to go that way? It's essential that the, the church takes heed in this. It's essential. We're coming to the end, you know, just like a, a runner in a race we're supposed to press towards the mark. We're supposed to redeem the time because the days are evil. We're supposed to be pressing harder for the kingdom of God, coming closer together, striving harder for the, together for the faith of the gospel. This is, this is what we're supposed to do as we're leaning towards the finish line, pressing, to, pressing towards it. Imagine what God would do with a group this size, a, a, a church of almost 300 members, if everybody was submitted to the leadership of the church that was leading in God's word, was pushing God's way, imagine what God could do with that. I don't know that we can imagine because the Bible says that he's able to do exceeding abundantly all that we could ask or think. He could do way more than we could imagine in our minds if we get in line with him, with his way, with his order. If we just do it his way. Point number two tonight is following God's instructions concerning the admonition of the disorderly is vital for unity and a part of our Christian responsibility. When somebody says something about the church, the pastor, the leadership, it shouldn't be the church, church member's prerogative to say, tell me more. If, if, if someone's saying something about a pastor or an elder, you better be sure that you have two or three witnesses. Because it says, receive not an accusation against an elder in Scripture, except it be by two or three witnesses in Timothy. That's this church. That's Providence Baptist Church. 
That's any other church that is Jesus Christ. You don't receive it. You don't have anything to do with it. You admonish them gently in love. It's our Christian responsibility to admonish the disorderly. Make sure that, that, again, it's done right. We're not conduct sheriffs. We're not better than thou. We're not holier than thou. It's not about that at all. When we have the right perspective and the right heart, it's about saying, we want to keep the body of Christ together. We want to make sure that, that we're doing what God wants us to do together, that we stay together, that, that Satan, the flesh, the world, that nothing can come in between the body of Christ. And we've got to support the leaders of the body of Christ, those who God puts in place, because that's essential for the unity, for the fluidity and the accomplishing of God's will. And so the question I have tonight is, Brother Jim, if you'll make your way, is are you doing everything you can do to yield to God's plan and his order? You, only you know it in your heart. Only you know in your mind if that's what you're doing. That You're saying, you know what, I'm completely... And maybe it's a level of trust. Maybe you've been hurt by a pastor before. Maybe you've been hurt by a ministry leader before. Maybe someone's broke your trust before. Um, you know, the, the Jews were afraid. The first believers were afraid of Paul uh, at his, the first hearing of his coming. They were afraid because of what he was before. They were afraid because he was Saul of Tarsus that hailed men to prison and consented to their deaths, and uh, the coats of, uh, of the men who stoned Stephen were laid at his feet, and that's the testimony he had before, but when they saw that Paul was going the direction of Christ, and doing what Christ wanted him to do, all of those men, first believers, apostles, great men in the church, early men in the church, had a decision to make. Are we going to trust that this is a work of God? Or we're going to not. And so each person in here has a choice whether they're going to say, we're going to submit to the leadership that God has put in place and we're going to do everything we can do to help accomplish the will of God through this local body. Everything. Because that's what our lives are here for. is the will of God, the kingdom of God. So everybody has to answer that question. Am I doing everything I can to yield to God's plan and his, and his order in the church? And then that doing everything you can do to support the leadership of this church. Elders and deacons need your prayer every single day. Need your support every single day. When there is a division in your life, in this church, do you help bring unity or do you help foster and feed division? Again, we are a body. We are a family. We are a team. I, I, I love how the scripture uh, is, is so amazing. We've talked about before. There's illustrations that Paul uses about uh, a soldier, an army. Uh, there's illustration of a sporting event and even of, of, of a team. And when I think about that, again, I, I, even just in the secular realm, I think about what it was to be a part of a team, a sport. And when there was somebody not helping the team, something had to change. I shared this weekend with the leadership as well. Uh, Remember the Titans is one of my favorite movies. And, um, you know, many of you know what the movie, hap uh, what goes on with the movie. And if you haven't, I'll spoil a little part of it for you right now. 
um, there was a, um, a white player who had completely committed himself to the new leadership and the new direction of the team. And he was the main captain for, um, for the white crowd, if you will, and for the defense. And he, he realizes that another white player wasn't doing what he needed to do to protect his other teammates and do his job to help the team succeed. So he goes up to the new coach and he says, Coach, this guy's got to go. He was one of his best friends. And he says, uh, well, you're the captain. It's your call. So he waits after practice the next day. The guy comes out of the locker room. He grabs him and says, hey, you're off the team. And he says, you're willing to throw away all of our friendship for them? And he says, yep, because it was about the team. It was, it was about we will not let anything or anyone come and divide us as the body of Christ. We will not let anything deter us off of the track that Jesus Christ has put us on. And if we, if we don't come together like that, God cannot do everything he wants to do through us. That's, what, that's the way a body works. See if you'll be able to be fully functioning. Everything that you could truly do if your stomach tomorrow morning doesn't cooperate with you. What about if you get up and you, and you, you have a back problem, a sciatica, it goes down your leg, and you can't get up and walk and function like you normally would? Why? Because something is wrong, something's off, something's not working right. And so you are limited in what you can do and what you can accomplish. Why, why would we think the body of Christ is any different? It's not. It's, it's alluded to a, a physical body. We're supposed to be working together for one purpose, and that one purpose is the glory of God for the kingdom of God. Let's make sure that we're doing everything we can do to fulfill it. So I want to encourage you tonight with those. Take those notes, go over them, pray about them, but tonight, answer those questions. Maybe you want to come down this altar and say, God, I want to make sure that I'm completely submitted to you, completely submitted to the leadership here and support them, and follow them, encourage them, and help everybody else get on board so that we can go and accomplish everything you want us to accomplish. Furthermore, God, help me to be one of those who talks to someone when they're not on the right page. Let me do it with the right spirit, with the right words. If they're unruly, they're disorderly, help, help me be led of your spirit to make sure that we're fostering unity and togetherness. Uh, see what God can do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Again, Lord, as, uh, I thank you for it. I thank you for um, just the humbling privilege to be able to present it. And as difficult as it is, um, Lord, I know it's right. And I know that um, you're glorified when we do things your way. And so I pray you would start with me and that you would go throughout this building and help us be the body that you want us to be. Help us to work in every single a way that we're supposed to together um, to glorify you and to accomplish what it is that you have for Trinity Baptist Temple to accomplish. And, um, Lord, we again thank you for this time. We ask you to bless and move now in Jesus' name.